All right. Well, uh, today we are on part two of a section that I have uh, entitled Proverbial Understanding. And uh, the general idea of this is that there's this word in the Proverbs, the word understanding. It is used frequently within the Proverbs. And uh, with no pun intended, we need to understand understanding. And so last week, what we looked at is we looked at the general idea of this word. And as we see, for example, in the very beginning of Proverbs, in chapter 1, the first six verses, and in chapter 2, the first six verses, we see the word used repeatedly. We see the word used in a verb form. We see the word used in a noun form. But in general, what we found was is that the, the root of that word uh, is a construction word. And so if helpful to us, we can understand that understanding is thinking about a house being built. It is understanding the plans and the processes of God's world, of His economy, and as it is pertaining to wisdom here, understanding the, pl- the plans and processes of wisdom as God has revealed it in His world and in His Word. So today, and then last week, what we did is we looked at who is the source of understanding. We looked at how does God convey understanding. And where we ended last week is looking at how God reveals understanding to or conveys understanding through His Word, through the wise, and through our life. Uh, yes, living life uh, actually helps in developing our understanding, so forth and so on. Today... Uh, we are going to look at answers to the question of how do we gain understanding? If understanding is something that is conveyed through God's Word, through the world, through living life, and through the wise people who, uh, who we surround ourselves with, so forth and so on, how do we gain this understanding? Well, to answer that question, we're going to look at uh, three... As I've structured it, uh, three, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, five words that I want you to remember. Uh, the first is, is that we gain understanding through desire. Uh, and the, the idea of this desire is, is a willingness to understand. And before I read this proverb, I, I want to just expand on this just briefly. And, and that is, is that I think this is one of the areas of understanding that is sometimes overlooked, especially in the, the, the age in which we live. And that is, is that oftentimes we, we tend to, as moderns, we tend to think of things in terms of what we inherit um, how we're born. It's one of the reasons why uh, the argument for uh, uh, same-sex issues in our world, it's the whole reason why that argument is built around the idea of, well, you're just born that way. Because that's a very compelling argument to moderns who think, well, I can't be this because I wasn't born this way. Or, uh, you know, one of my favorite examples is, you know, well, I'm, I'm not going to uh, live a long, healthy life because I've got bad genes and, and that sort of thing. Of course, 
scientists tell us now that that only accounts for about 30% of, of how long and how healthy we live. But we'll use that argument to justify the other 70%, won't we? And so forth and so on. It's all of these arguments that we as moderns, it's a very compelling to us. And the problem with that is, while there is, a, of course, an ounce of truth in the idea of, for example, in our health with longevity and healthiness, the other side of that is, is that it can lead to a real complacency. It can re lead even to an apathy to say, you know, and this is the one that I get all the time, well, John, I know that you emphasize the Word of God, and I know that you emphasize reading God's Word. You know, I'm just not a reader. We hear that, and oftentimes it's sort of, well, that's just the way I am. It's just the way that I'm made, and, 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 and I, I don't accept that. That's why if you've ever said that to me, you know I normally push back with it uh, and to say, well, you better become one uh, today. Become a reader today, and if you don't read anything else in this world, just read God's Word because God chose to convey Himself in written form. And so... It's one of the reasons why we as Presbyterians, over the centuries, developed schools, developed disciplines within scholarship and academia, all of this so that we could learn to read, to read well, and to know God's Word. Well, I ramble through all that to say that in the area of gaining understanding, part of it is you have to want to. And you have to dismiss the excuses that you may have developed in your sinful flesh to push back against understanding. Now listen to this proverb. Making your ear, so the making there is an infinitive form. It's flowing off of verse 1. We looked at chapter 2, verse 1 last week. Okay, So starting in verse 2, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Now, let's think about this. So first of all, one of the ways that we gain understanding is through desire, or what I mean by that is, is a willingness to pursue, a willingness to gain understanding. And note the active verbs, the active language really here of Proverbs 2.2. Making or to, to make your ear attentive to wisdom. What is an attentive ear? Doesn't mean the literal ear, does it? This is figurative language. So what is an attentive ear? Listen up. That's right. Pay attention. So pay attention, listen up to wisdom. Secondly, incline your heart to understanding. What does it mean to incline your heart? Okay. Be open to it. And there's even, in addition to an openness, it's an idea of an active process, right? Um, Sydney and I, on a couple of trips to Colorado Springs, have hiked up this section of the lower part of Pikes Peak, and it's called the Incline. And some of you may be familiar with this. It's this section of railroad ties that goes up this portion of Pikes Peak straight up like this. And some of the Olympic athletes, you know, like Sydney and me, uh, some of the Olympic athletes uh, have incorporated this into their, their training. But you can hike this section, and it's called the incline. And I'm just going to tell you, it, it ain't easy. 
uh, it, it's pretty tough. You know, you're, you're going up and it's so steep and you just kind of pause and just try to get your breath back and, and this sort of thing. But the one thing about it and the reason why they call it the incline is there is no plateau. When you start, you know that you're not going to reach a plateau until you finish. Well, in that sense, what does the word incline mean? Movement, climbing upward, right? So to incline one's heart, which is the, the, the seatbed of the human person, so also synonymous with the mind, it is to open up, it is to incline, it is to aspire to take in and to drink in, if I may change, mix my metaphors, to, to drink in what God has to teach me about understanding. It's very active. That's the point I'm getting at and why I gave that lengthy introduction on why we need to push back against apathy. We need to push back against complacency because oftentimes as moderns we lack in biblical understanding because we are, and I'm not beating up on you, I'm beating up on me, but oftentimes we lack in understanding because we're just lazy. That's, that's just pretty much it. There's an interesting article this week uh, that I was reading on a, a site that I follow called the, uh, the Imaginative Conservative or something like that. And uh, on, on that site, it, it talked about uh, sort of the progression of pastors in this country. And it talked about when this country was founded and the education level and the emphasis that was put upon the intellect of pastors at that time and where we are today. And the argument of, uh, was, in essence, wh why are we so surprised to, be, to find that there's such a decline in the church and such rampant biblical illiteracy when the pastor or minister used to be the most educated person in the village and today he's the village idiot, right? So, uh, again, the idea here is that, well, how do we cure that? Well, we've we got to stop being lazy. We've got to become more diligent. And one of the ways that we do this, if God conveys understanding through His Word, through the wise, and through life, then we need to be actively in God's Word. We need to be actively associating and listening to the wise. And we need to be looking and living life not as, as we are as moderns, just not as this constant ball of entertain me, but someone who's truly looking at life and discerning to gain wisdom and to gain understanding. And so that's the general idea. And again, what I just summarized there is expanded throughout the whole book of Proverbs. So I really couldn't have made that lecture at the beginning of this study. But everything that we have studied up until this point, you know what I have said now is accurate, and we, do, we gain this understanding by a willing desire to receive it. Number two, similarly but differently, it is through pursuit or through seeking it. And let me explain the differentiation by drawing your attention to four different Proverbs. Proverbs 1.5, which we looked at last week, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Okay, so the first part of this, does he mean uh, by uh, the sense of the wise hear, what does he mean by hear? It doesn't just mean listen, right? 
I mean, this is, this is figurative language. To hear here means to what? To take it in. To not only listen to it, but to internalize it because you can't increase in learning, which is the second part of that clause. You can't increase in learning if you're not hearing and taking it in, if you're not internalizing it. The second half of the clause is the one who understands obtains guidance. What does it mean, obtain guidance? And how could our understanding lead to guidance? Well, we're, we're, we're all searching for something, right? We all have questions and seeking answers to many of those questions. But part of that is we need to seek it out. There is to be an active pursuit of it. In other words, if you want to be guided by understanding, you must seek it out. It's not as if somebody's going to come along and say, Hey, I know you modern Americans really like your pills. I've got the pill for understanding. Take this with a full glass of water. Oh, great. That, that solves everything. No, it, it, it means living life, as we would say, wide awake paying attention to understanding as God has revealed it through His Word, the wise in life. Proverbs 2.3, this again we looked at last week. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Again, it's figurative language, but what's the concept of calling out and raising your voice? Exactly, yeah. This, this is someone that's pretty passionate about understanding, isn't it? I mean, if, 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 you, if you're in, the, if you're in the, the town square and you're calling out, I need understanding. No, I'm raising my voice. I said I need understanding. Have you drawn the attention to understanding? I mean, again, the figurative language is such to say that it is passionate. It is eager. This is something that we want. We really want to understand. Now, let's flesh this out a little bit more. On, in Proverbs 16, 16, it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Again, the, the, the uh, sage here is employing the metaphor of the precious metals. Gold and silver are precious metals. They are things that are of significant value. Now, what's the comparison? Well, the comparison is wisdom is more precious than gold, understanding more precious than, than silver. Incidentally, don't read this as a literalist. What the sage is not saying is, oh, well now wisdom's more important than understanding because gold's more valuable than silver. That's silly. That, that's not what the, the sage is saying here. He's just bringing in precious metals to teach us the preciousness of understanding and wisdom. And then finally... Proverbs 23, 23. Buy truth. We've looked at this before, haven't we? Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. What does the sage mean by the metaphor of buy? Because I'm going to help you out. He's not talking about dollars and cents. So what does he mean by the metaphor buy? What's that? Okay, it could be invest, and how would you in invest in wisdom, instruction, and understanding? Uh, 
Okay, one could be the way that you spend your time. How do you, how do you, you spend your, your, the hours of the day that God has given you? That's a good one. Seeking to obtain it in the sense of what we're looking at here, of pursuit of it. That's right. Absorb it. That's right. To, to, to invest in it, to seek it out, to, to absorb it, to own it. It is something that, that I, I desire to, to own. If you think about it this way, if someone said, understanding is for sale, for X, Y, Z, is that not something that we would spend our money on? It is in, indeed. And so oftentimes it comes down to uh, how are we seeking it out? And are we seeking for it in the right places? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy. And the, the great American euphemism, uh, time is money. Uh, and so where you spend your time could be a great correlation to that. If you think about it this way, and, 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 and I know I, I have to be careful because I, I guess I, I beat up on, on social media and all of this sort of the stuff of our age too much in here. Uh, so wherever my soapbox is, I, somebody took it, took it away. Um, but it really, you, you think about it this way, it is in, in pursuing understanding, are, are we going to gain understanding by scrolling through pretty pictures two and a half hours a day? I mean, four hours a day. You read the latest statistics on, on how many hours a day our, our children are on social media. Uh, are, are, are our children gaining understanding with that? Are their parents gaining understanding by that much time wasted? Again, we could carry that to a, a myriad of different analogies, but the general idea is, is those who desire understanding will pursue it. Those will, who pursue it will, figuratively speaking, they will buy it. They will own it with their time. They will invest their time and their talents and so forth into gaining it. And so the general idea is we gain it through a desire for it, a pursuit for it, and then number three, you knew I was going to add this. Practically speaking, you gain it through reading. Not always, but to know wisdom and instruction to understand the video version of insight. Doesn't say that, does it? What are words of insight? What are, what, what are, if I'm to understand them, I need to know what they are. What are words of insight? Huh? Oh, insight. Okay, I see something. Words that, that, of, of what someone has seen. Yeah. What are words of insight? Well, let me ask you this. Who created the world? Who knows the world better than anyone else? Who is not silent but has chosen to reveal himself? How has he chosen to reveal himself to us specially? Through his word. So if you think about it this way, is that the one who has the greatest insight on your life and my life is God. And the greatest way to know and gain from that insight is to go to His Word. Now, 
I know many of you are, are reading through uh, the Bible, and this is a, a, something that we've encouraged year after year. We're getting ready to produce our 2023 uh, reading guide, uh, which is pretty cool because we started with our first reading guide in 2013, January 2013. So here we are, the 13th, the, the 10th uh, uh, reading guide that we're going to produce, and, and we have consistently encouraged people to read through God's Word. Now, there are parts of God's Word where you're reading and you're thinking, John is always talking about the words of insight and how I need to go to God's Word and dig in. <sighs> I'm just not getting it here in this section of Leviticus. Right? So, undoubtedly, there are parts of Scripture that will have, in the sense of not inspirationally, but just practically speaking, will have more insight for our daily life, right? There's going to be things in which, for example, if you've been going through the reading plan, you know that we just finished up the book of, of Daniel. Uh, Daniel deals with, with uh, of course, the first part of the testimony of the exiles in Babylonian captivity. The last part of Daniel deals with prophecy leading up to uh, reign and regal matters, leading up to uh, the birth of Christ and eventually the decimation of the temple in AD 70. And it sort of ends there. And so you can read that and you can go, man, this is really cool history, but I'm not sure that this has a whole lot to speak to me. And yet, you can come here on Sunday morning, you open up the book of Proverbs, and you go, wow, I was just dealing with this last week. These are indeed words of insight. So, scholars say that the sage is likely talking specifically because we're on the topic of understanding. He, the, the sage is likely talking about the wisdom books of Scripture, we go oftentimes to the wisdom books of Scripture to find wisdom for everyday life. And, and I'll just give a great example. Proverbs is obvious. You're seeing that now. We're a year in of studying the book of Proverbs. But you think about it this way. One of the other great books of life insight is the book of Ecclesiastes. You talk about a sobering reality. My favorite book of the Old Testament. You go to Ecclesiastes and you think, Wow, now this is telling of life. If you read Ecclesiastes, at least for most of us, well, at least for me, reading Ecclesiastes at 51 years old is really different than reading Ecclesiastes at 18. Why? Yeah, well, let's hope so. At least I've gone enough miles down the road, right? <laughs> I've got enough miles down the road where at least now I can go, wow, now those are words of insight. While at 18, probably not going to pick up on a lot of Solomon's allusions and the great wisdom that he conveys in that book, right? The point is this is that we desire understanding, we actively seek understanding. One of the ways that we gain that understanding is through words and specifically going to the portions of Scripture to help us on these issues of wisdom. Number four, in addition to reading, is listening. Now, remember back last week, we said... How does God convey understanding? And we said that He conveys understanding in three ways. He conveys understanding through His Word, through the wise, and through life. Now, 
listen to this in terms of listening. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Now, we've already looked at this, but we didn't look at it in light of the metaphor of hearing and increasing in learning. The one who understands is also comes under that same verb. The idea is of hearing. Now, on the one hand, we said that is a metaphorical word. It is. It's not just talking about listening, but we also have to listen to be able to obtain. This is a, a little piece of, of um, uh, what um, fairly insignificant trivia. Um, but uh, literary scholars tell us that reading quietly to ourselves is a fairly modern concept. Uh, and by modern, I mean, you know, within the last, I don't know, Somebody will have to help me here within the last 1,500 years or something like that. So fairly modern in the sense of a long timeline. Uh, but there was an era, in fact, medieval scholars will tell us that most people within the medieval period, if they re- could read, they would read aloud to themselves. And so oftentimes things were written in a rhythmic way. We see this even, for example, uh, any of you that have ever read the Westminster Confession and Catechisms in the original draft, not the Americanized version that we have. The original draft has punctuation that is very foreign to us. It'll have commas right in the middle of the sentence. And you'll think, wow, why is... Why is that comma there? Well, the comma is there because most of the time they read out loud. And so as they're reading out loud, the comma would tell them to do what? Pause. That's right. It meant pause there to go forward. It's, it's, the, 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 it's part of the, uh, the thing that I think is so funny. And I travel, you go, our presbyteries will be at different uh, churches. And people at different churches will have different ways that they'll recite things. And uh, because my background is in in literature, um, I think about things in terms of poetry and meter and the way that that, the flow should go. And you probably notice this. When I read something out loud, I tend to read with a rhythm. And yet, you can go to some churches, and when they say, for example, the Apostles' Creed, have you ever been to a, a church where they said the Apostles' Creed and they said it so fast that you were on the second sentence while they were finishing it? Have you encountered this before? It's really kind of humorous. I believe in God the Father. I'm at one church and I'm going, whoa, I guess I'm the southern idiot at this church because I can't talk that fast. And, uh, but, it, but the person who was leading it didn't do this, this pause. Well, the point I'm trying to make in, in rambling in this is, is that there is a benefit to language, literature, the voice, and hearing. And when we hear something, we are to take it in. It is not to be something that is so fast it's in vain or something that is read as if there is nothing conveyed in it other than just something that's drawn from rote memory. But it's real, it's meaningful, and I'm to take it in. I am to, again, as to mix my metaphors, I'm to drink it in. I'm to eat it in. I am to take it in as best I can. And so the general idea is I do that through listening. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. The son's not hard of hearing, is he? Uh, he has, doesn't need hearing aids. There's no issue with his hearing. He doesn't even mean hearing at all, does he? 
He means listening with the heart, to take it in, to absorb it, to internalize it. And then number five, we gain through study. We gain through study. Proverbs 1.6 To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Um, we covered this last week. This is sort of where we started on this study a, a, a year ago. But how many of you now a year in have a different perspective of the literary form of the proverb? All right. And if everybody doesn't raise their hand, I quit. So, uh, okay, so thank you. Now everybody's going to raise their hand, right? So you, you have a, a different perception, a different uh, understanding of what a proverb is. It's like Sydney and I were talking about this morning, uh, this month's uh, table talk. If, if I think probably a lot of you uh, subscribe to Table Talk, talk Magazine. If you don't, subscribe. It's wonderful. But this month is on uh, eschatology, the end things, the eschaton. And uh, Robert Godfrey has a great article in that Table Talk on learning to read the biblical literature of eschatology because you don't read Revelation like you do Romans. Uh, they're very, 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 very different books of, of literature. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that in order to understand the wisdom of the Proverbs, we have to first be able to read a proverb. Because if you charge in and read a proverb like you read Colossians, you're going to get messed up fast, aren't you? You're going to read it very literal. You're going to miss the figuratism. You're going to miss the beauty of it. And you're probably going to miss the wisdom of it as well. And so part of it is being a good student of God's Word. In other words, part of my job as the teacher and preacher of this church is not only to tell you the gospel. That's my primary job. But part of my other job is to help you understand the literature of the Bible so that you can read it yourself and not read it errantly and to read it with understanding. Understanding. And so part of that is teaching, but in this case it is study on our part. The words of the wise and their riddles, the form of riddle there is the way in which the poetry is structured. Now, oftentimes when we read the Proverbs, we may think of it as a riddle, right? What in the world is he saying there? Uh, but the general idea is you've got to know how to read it, and you're not going to know how to read it unless you study it. Proverbs 19.8, whoever gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. The Hebrew word there of keeps is the general idea of retaining something that was gained. And think about it this way. Uh, many of you I know memorized Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. And, and I know many of you could just keep quoting, right? We'll quote it together. But the other side of it is, is that as you have gained that... So now we want to keep it, right? And how do you keep it? In the case of memorizing the psalm, you do it through repetition. And so you keep repeating that psalm to yourself to where uh, a year from now, perhaps, you, you've got it internalized. My hope and prayer is that we'll, we'll get to a point where when somebody, like for example, uh, last Sunday, uh, 
we, the second psalm we were going to memorize was Psalm 130, you recall that? And I had Brandon intentionally include the confession of sin and the assurance of pardon from that psalm. Because I thought, I kind of want to peer out into the congregation and see if somebody just goes, that's Psalm 130. I know that verse. I can quote those verses in our confession of sin and our assurance of pardon. Um, I didn't have my glasses on last week, so I don't know if anybody noticed. I don't even know if you were here. Uh, but, um, but, but the general idea is, is that by studying God's Word, we are not only learning it and learning how to read it, but we are internalizing it. And part of that consistent study is to consistently keep it. So the general idea is this, is that if I gain understanding from God's Word, I want to have a greater understanding this year than I did last year. And, and I, I think many of you could, you could say that. You could say, I've, I've, I've grown in my understanding of God's Word, and, and my life has been blessed from it. And so I encourage you, keep it up. Keep reading it, keep listening to it, keep studying it, keep internalizing it. Desire the understanding that comes from God's Word. Seek it passionately like you're climbing up the incline to get to that top plateau to gain that understanding that is in God's Word because God desires that we know His Word. Let me pray for us. Our gracious God in heaven, we do thank You for the wisdom of Your Word, and we thank You specifically for the wisdom books, and we thank You for Proverbs. And we thank You, as we have considered really over the last year or so, uh, these various topics, just how applicable they are to our lives, and how we are to live out our lives as Your people. Now, as Your people, You have set apart this day for Your worship, and we don't go and assemble in worship in our merits, nor our works, nor even in our own wisdom, but in the wisdom of Christ, by Your Spirit, by the grace that You have given us. And we pray that You would guide us, lead us. May we worship You in spirit and truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.